The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 54. Why is sports clothing important in grassroots sport? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who will inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your profession, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, Getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Catriona Morrison, MBE. Catriona is a retired British duathlete. During her career, she has won 10 medals, 6th and gold at the World and European Duathlon Championships. Now she is the director of Everactive, where her goal is to motivate and inspire young people to be physically active. In 2015, Catriona was awarded an MBE from Her Majesty the Queen for her services in sport and voluntary services in Scotland. I can proudly say that it's a privilege to have Catriona as a special guest on this show. That's when today's episode, she will share her sports career journey and explain why sports clothing is so important in grassroots sport. Catriona, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Yeah, my my whole sporting journey was never, ever about, not until laterally, it was never about being an elite athlete. That was never, never really a career choice. It just developed. So when I, as a swimmer, I I probably made it to district level, not, you know, no great shakes, never going to set the earth on fire. As a runner, I made national teams, Scottish national teams, um, British unis, you know, a fair to, to middling runner. And it wasn't until I kind of started to combine those elements and do the, the swim bike and the, and the run bike run that it kind of became apparent that there was something a little bit more. And probably when I came back from, I lived in New Zealand after I'd lived in Canada. And when I came back from New Zealand, I got introduced to the national coach at that time in triathlon Scotland, whose name was Darren Smith. And he was probably the, the kind of the first um, full-time professional coaches in the sport of triathlon in Scotland. He'd come from Australia, different mindset. And he actually said to me, I think you can go to the next Commonwealth Games. And at this point, I had I don't think I'd even done the standard distance triathlon. And it wasn't until that kind of maybe around about 22, 23, where it became to more of a bona fide career path but it was never really a career path and I think that's something I always struggled with because in the UK not so much now but definitely you know 10-15 years ago being an elite athlete for a career is not something that you stand up and say I'm an athlete I'm a professional athlete it's something that you do as a hobby and I always struggled with when people would ask me what I what I did and I would always have a really hard time or exercise do stuff (laughs) just do stuff 
because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't ever feel like it was um, contributing much to society. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't being, you know, all these things that people aspire to to do to feel like they have satisfaction and, and a feeling of self-worth. I, I didn't actually believe that, you know, sport should be one of those that was classified or for me that it should be classified in there. So it was quite a difficult um the internal battle that I, I had quite a lot of the time when I was being an athlete. Just relating from a sports science perspective, out of interest, did you have any support with regards to sports scientists such as physiotherapists, psychologists, with regards to your performance during your career? Absolutely. I mean, and they first started getting introduced when I, I kind of went on that Commonwealth Games squad development into the into the Scottish squad and into the, the UK squad for, for triathlon. That was becoming part and parcel of what was now normal for an athlete to be exposed to basic sports physiology testing, to elite sports nutrition, to, to sports psychology. And it was always part and package of what I was offered as a supported athlete. And then as my career developed into duathlon and um, long distance triathlon, which fall out with the traditional um, support and lottery funding because they're not Olympic categorised sports. Um, I had to find my own support mechanism and my own physiologists and my own sports nutritionists. And uh, interestingly enough, the coach that for the coach I ended up with in sort of the latter part of my career, his name is Dr. Phil Skiba, and um, he is both a medical doctor but also a doctor um, as now a PhD doctor and his area of sporting interest for people who are, are kind of sports physiologists and, and, uh, and minded um, was power protocol on the bike. So critical power for, for specifically cyclists and, and how much, basically it's really interesting, how much power is too much? How many times can you dip into your red zone? whilst being able to recover during a race. And so his PhD, as he was coaching me, actually, he was doing his PhD in Exeter. So he'd come over from, he's actually in the States, come over from the States to the University of Exeter because he wanted to specifically work um, at the School of Sports Medicine there. And so he he is a phenomenally interesting man, developed all sorts of algorithms in and around peak performance and performance training, and now actually works on the, the Nike Sub 2 project. Oh, wow. Really interesting. So, yeah, so his whole career has really been in that that sports science pathway. And his expertise, you know, was, I, I'm really a kind of a scientist at heart. I like evidence and data-driven processes and outcomes. And for me, that worked really well. Absolutely. Just relating to what you're doing now, how has your experience being an elite athlete supported you with regards to working in the sports industry? So sort of seeing the business side of sport. Yeah, so the the way so the there are two things I do now actually. So I have my own business called Everactive, which is um, sports clothing for children, technical sports clothes for kids, and that comes more um, through a passion for wanting to see as many young people as active as possible. And one of the things that I don't think we offer kids quite often is affordable sportswear, especially for for parents. So it's a little bit of a barrier. But also it's one of these things, if you're wearing your favourite running kit or your favourite biking kit or whatever it is, you know, it, it makes you look good, you feel better. It's part of your intrinsic motivation to exercise. So that came about through my passion to see more young people active. The business side of it came about because when I retired as a full-time athlete, I was offered a, a place to go on a programme called the, the Saltire Fellowship, 
which was a nine-month programme, actually over, um, split between Boston and the UK, where I did a very fast-track kind of MBA programme with a group of, a cohort, we call them, of all different people from entirely different backgrounds. So not just there were a couple of us from sport, there were doctors, lawyers, you name it, physiologists, all people who were at a point in their career where they needed to make a change and to do something different. So that business learning came about in that kind of defined learning environment in Boston at university there. And then I'm trying now to put that into practice. <laughs> that So I never had a, an official training up until that point in running a business. But coming back to your, your point about what prepares you as an athlete to move into business, I think a, quite a lot of it for me is the fact that I spent 15 years effectively being my own boss, um, answering to myself, having performance goals and targets that I was entirely in control of, um, running myself as a business because a lot of what I needed to do needed to be funded. And part of that funding came through attracting sponsorship, maintaining sponsorship, getting sponsorship relationships, or you know, choosing the races with the best return on investment. You know, which race am I going to go to? What's the probability I'll win prize money? How much of that prize money will fund my next race? So there are a lot of those aspects of just actually driving yourself as a business that I take forward into running this business. Just relating back to today's main topic, why is sports clothing important in grassroots sport? It does have an impact. I don't want to say that clothing is a be-all and end-all because actually what you want is every kid to be active under every circumstance. And that's the beauty of things like, um, you know, the Daily Mile, for example, which encourages groups of children to go out and do their Daily Mile, regardless of what they're wearing, regardless of what the weather is in the situation. It's actually just about getting out there and doing it. But I think as part of them, everyone wants to feel like they belong. You know, when you go along to your football club or your rugby club, part of that motivation is that you get to wear the team kit and you're part of something bigger. Um, and part of actually aspiring to be like your sporting heroes and heroines is actually, you know, I get to wear that swimsuit that my favourite athlete's wearing or that person's got this pair of goggles, well, I really aspire to have them. So it's all about that sense of being and looking to be the part so a lot of it's more kind of it's more intangible than it is practical because actually, like I said, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you want to go out and exercise wearing a, a set of wellies and a rain hat, then please do <laughs> because it's just the, the very act of being physically active, which is massively important. I couldn't agree more. Just relating back to your career now, what have you been up to recently? So at the moment I, I run the business Everactive, I actually also work on a part-time basis as a business development manager for a sports-based social enterprise, which is maybe another thing that your 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 listeners might be, be interested in. So it's called the Spartans Community Football Academy, and we use sport for change and sports for social impact. We run a facility, and the facility is a basic football facility. It's got two all-weather football pitches um, you can hire the pitches. We run community football programs. And all of the income that comes in from that and grant funding, we use to employ youth workers in the local community, to run youth clubs, to run physical activity free of charge for, for local schools and also an alternative school for kids that are very disengaged from mainstream education. And the whole hook is football because football, A, is a sport that a lot of kids know and recognise 
but B, the football club itself has been in that part of North Edinburgh for very, very many years. So as a parent and a carer and someone with kids, it's known and it's trusted as a brand. And so it's almost like an extension of what we do. It's not just the, the football coaching. It's now into youth work. It's making sure that the kids that come along on a Friday night have a meal. Kids that come along on a Saturday morning get a meal because a lot of the, the local postcodes in the area that surrounds the, the facility are in the highest levels of social deprivation in the whole of the UK. So it's like using sport as a mechanism to do something more. So it's a really, you know, it's a really great place to be based because at the end of the day it's not just about the sport it's about what else sport can do for development and that's a really interesting space to to be in absolutely sort of relates to sports policy to the listeners out there which I, again i really enjoyed when i was at uni and what you've highlighted with sport it's very important to highlight it's not just the football ball on the pitch it's what it does off and um just relating to your career what have you enjoyed the most looking back I think looking back, actually, I wish what I could enjoy the most and anyone out there who is um, an elite athlete themselves, if I had one word of advice or one word that I think I'd probably want to change about the way I operated it as an athlete would be that to take more time to to bask in your glory. <laughs> it sounds really <laughs> in the face. But actually, a lot of the time you finish your race or you have a performance and it might be it's actually a really great performance, but you're so keen to actually your, your worst critic. You're, you're so quick to, to jump on what didn't go right and what you can do better next time and to get straight back on the horse that actually you miss the chance to just say, bloody good job, be proud. <laughs> because those moments are actually are very few and far between and they don't last forever. So that would be my one word of advice, actually. Be kind to yourself. Um. But going back to like what what are the things you would look back on? I actually think it not so much. It, it's great to explore your own physical um, boundaries and and to have that. You know, essentially, I had fifteen years of being incredibly selfish. Um, you know, every day I pushed and pushed to see how how good an athlete I could become. But part of what made that journey so wonderful were the people that I met along the way and the friends that I made around the world and the networks that I still have and and that's that's sport to me because it's. It's just another way to meet and connect with people. Absolutely. It's all about that journey. It's something I'm even experiencing on this podcast show, even speaking with you today. I always like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? Well, this is another good one. So I actually, right now, I'm on the board of the University of Stirling, which is Scotland's University of Sporting Excellence. And it's a really interesting debate that we even have at at board level of um, what what would we and what do we want to entrust our students with and, and to, to make sure that they're ready on, on the next part of their journeys into their careers. And I would say actually to get out there and get as much experience as possible, to be proactive, to, to put your name on the line, say, actually, I see that this company is running this race at the weekend. Can I come along? Can I work shadow? Can I take part? Can I volunteer? Because the more that you have, dipped your toes into A, showing that you're willing, B, picking up new experiences and new skills and really connecting with people. Those networks, that's absolutely fundamental and it's something that I didn't do at university. Um, and I don't want to say networking because networking is a horrible thing. 
<laughs> not a horrible thing, but you know, for a lot of people, it's not what it's not an area that they're comfortable in. But it's not about networking; it's about connecting with people, so that four or five years down the line, when you are trying to um, get more work experience or enter into a job, that you feel comfortable to knock on that person's door and say, "Do you remember me?" can I come and help you? Do you have a job for me? Can you, can you introduce me to someone else? Because it's, it's never, it's never a direct contact. You'll find that most of the time when something goes the way you want it to, it's the contact of a contact. And that's something which is fundamental. You have to start doing early. That's a great piece of advice. And I really do hope the listeners take that on board. How can people interact with you? I'm on Twitter. Cat underscore underscore Morrison, because someone took cat underscore Morrison, how random. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Um, I used to have a website, I don't anymore, but you can you can see what we're up to on everactive.com. Um, and yeah, if anyone contact me through LinkedIn, I'm always happy that if people reach out, they want advice, absolutely. That is great. To be able to connect with Catriona on social media, all her links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Catriona, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. What a really interesting career journey by Catriona. For me, the biggest learning lesson I've taken from this interview is her positive attitude, but most of all, her self-discipline, especially during her career when she said, for 15 years, I was my own boss. I had to get my own physio. I had to get my own sponsorship. For me, that indicates the dedication, which also runs through with regards to her career in the sports industry with Everactive, with the clothing company. Most of all, from a sports science perspective or to any student who studies sport policy, I hope you took on board all those little snippets with regards to the importance of grassroots sport, the impact of clothing to get children engaged in physical activity, because this is an area of the sports industry which is always moving forward and always an area where there's opportunity to get involved, volunteer and take action. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Catriona said, go out there and get as much experience as possible and be proactive. By doing that, you will connect with people who will provide you career opportunities. Mm-hmm.